Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 8. Let me also make mention it's Father's Day this coming, this coming Sunday. Invite your fathers. Once again, we will begin a three-week series on the family. I will be speaking Father's Day. And the following Sunday, the 24th, I'll be speaking. Uh, I've mentioned it. This coming Sunday, I want to speak a sermon that, that I had the most, the biggest altar call for men that we ever had in our church. Then the following week, on the 24th, I want to be speaking a sermon that was the biggest altar call for women. And we're going to be dealing with ladies and the mothers on that day. On the 24th, the following week, I will be in South Africa, and my wife will be speaking in the morning, dealing with family once again. And that evening, my son will be speaking, dealing with family again. And so that'll be the three weeks of the family. Then we'll get back to First John. How many have been learning things on First John? I've been enjoying that, those studies on First John. And we covered being a father and a young man and a baby last Sunday. But tonight, I'm going to be speaking a sermon entitled, One Night Stand. It's not about sex. Okay, but what have I said before when it comes to sex? I'd rather you hear it from behind the pulpit than from behind the 56 Chevy, you know, in the back seat. That's, baby, I think I love you. Shut up. You know, eat your popcorn, eat your mush and hush, you know. Because the Bible speaks a lot about that, but it's not, it's, it's called One Night Stand, but it's K-N-I-G-H-T. You know, they have the Knights, the new movie called something about the Knights. Knights Tale, the Knights Tale. Well, this is that word. One night stand. Uh, that's the title of my sermon. And one night stand. And the song talked about standing. So do you have Deuteronomy chapter 20 verse 8? It says there. And this is a wartime manifesto that many, many people copy. Many armies throughout the history of our planet have copied the book of Deuteronomy. Because God tells us how, how to fight a war. Okay. And in Deuteronomy 28 it says... Then the officers shall add, Is any man afraid or faint-hearted? Let him go home to mama, that his brothers will not become disheartened as well. Is any man, you know, fearful or faint-hearted? This is in the King James. Then let him go hide like 38 says in shotgun one, under his mama's skirts, eh? Uh, Because a little 11, 11 to hold up. That's what it says here. We don't need them kind of soldiers. Well, I don't know if the building fund can be... <sighs> Father, I pray you have your way here tonight that we would make one night stands. And we're not just talking about men, but women can be knighted too. <clears throat> we can have Sir Steve and Mrs. Josie. Hallelujah. We can all be knights. Under your banner. We bless you and praise you in Christ's name. Everybody together said? Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Greet one another one more time. A little Lord. Shake a few hands. <clears throat> I've said it before in other sermons. And I'm going to integrate it here in this one. Because <clears throat> as Keith was saying. I believe what Keith was, was in a sense uh, uh, co-prophesying when he was standing behind the pulpit around saying God has in store for us a number of, of, of great things and big things. Now, but they don't necessarily have to be numerically, but I believe that as well. I've mentioned before that, uh, and we have some of the mother church here today, that uh, my wife <clears throat> about two times prior, you know, about 
the second to last time she was in Los Angeles that Julie had told her, listen, see all this, talking about the mother churches, I would like the church in Hayward to, to, you know, to replicate this, to duplicate what we're doing here as well. And she says, come on, challenge your people. I think you guys can do it. I believe we can too. And I believe we're headed in that direction. Okay? In due season. We, we want to pattern ourselves after our mother church. They're, they're a tremendous, tremendous church. Okay? But I've said it time and again. In order to think big, you got to think small. Okay? Very important. The Bible says, be faithful, okay, over the little, and I will put you over what? Much. That's found in Luke 16.10. Be faithful in the little bit, and in due season, in God's timing, he'll give you, and he'll put you over much. <clears throat> it's biblical. <clears throat> okay? The issue here that God is talking about, and bringing out in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 8, <clears throat> it's a word called responsibility. That's what he's dealing with. <clears throat> Being responsible. Okay? In the army. You're in the army now. Romans says, in the book of Romans, no man lives and no man dies unto himself. We're all a part of one another. See, and our attitudes, whether they're good or whether they're bad, our attitudes are contagious. No man lives or dies unto himself. No man whines or complains or murmurs unto himself. The same principle applies. Uh, if you're going <clears> to <throat> be a whiner, if you're going to be a mumbler and a complainer and a griper and a mumbler all the time and a gossiper and all that, it's contagious. No woman gossips unto herself. No man gossips unto himself. You're going to uh, affect and infect somebody else as well. Okay, a little leaven, leaven it the whole lump. Our attitudes are contagious. If you have a, a, a bad attitude within the body of Christ, then your responsibility, my friend, or excuse me, you are the one responsible if it spreads. The, it's, the word here is responsible. You are the one, okay? Be careful what you say because, uh, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And you got to be careful. I've, I have a sermon that I preached many, many years ago called, Lip from the Hip Can Sink Your Ship. You know, you got to be careful what you say. Uh, because of your attitude, it can spread. That's what Deuteronomy 28 is saying here. The fearful and the faint-hearted type of an attitude. Okay? If you become fearful and you, you know, uh, and you turn coward, you can become poison to the rest of us. You can weaken the cause, if you will. A society or a church, for that matter, it begins to go downhill the moment and the minute its people forget what we're talking about here, okay? And they, uh, what they do is they deny their individual obligations. The minute you begin to deny, listen to what I'm saying, you begin to deny your, your individual obligations, we're turning for the worse. Uh, hey, I'm just somebody over here. I don't, I don't gotta get all that committed. I don't gotta be all that stuff. The minute, it can get contagious. That's what it's saying here. Uh, don't deny your responsibilities. If you're going to be a Christian, be a Christian. And take on your responsibilities. Uh, don't be a deadbeat Christian. We have deadbeat dads. And I've told you before, deadbeat dads are considered in the same plane by the probation and parole department by the state of California as murderers. They're treated just as much as murderers. <clears throat> because why? They're taking food from the table of, of, of a child. And the state of California looks at that very, very terrible. So don't be a deadbeat Christian. Uh, in other words, don't 
Deny your responsibilities. <clears throat> Take them on. Uh, are you with me? Now, when I was younger, and I think I've said this before, during, I was brought up during the era of the 60s. There was this saying called, you know, do your thing. That was such a lie, but it was very contagious. Ask the Isley brothers. Uh, for those of you that are laughing, you're over 40. <coughs> uh, all right, all right. Or maybe you're an oldie, but goodie kind of a fan. You know, and you're, if you think, do what you want to do. I can't tell you who to do your thing or whatever. Uh, <coughs> it became contagious. It filtered into the minds of the people <coughs> that were brought up during the 60s. Uh, it, it filtered into the, the, the drug culture. Because the, the drug culture took a, a big uh, a surge during the 60s. And they said, hey man, so what, man? It's my body. I'm just hurting myself. No, you're not. I took on that attitude and I messed up my family. Much of my family today is still involved in drugs, but it all began with me. Yes, I'm a Christian now. And yes, I'm here to help them and many of them have come out of the drug scene. But some of them are still stuck in it because I was a, a leader per se. I was the head of my family and I took on that attitude. It's just my body. I'm just hurting myself. I'm not hurting you. No man lives and no man dies unto himself. We all affect and infect one another by the choices and the decisions that we make. Uh, the pro-choice movement uh, of today, it, you know, dealing with the abortion, they're falling into the very same devilish scheme today. Okay? Uh, as far as, you know, pro-choice, well, it's my body, and it's my baby, and if I want to kill it, I can do it. It's my body. See, that 1960s infected and affected everybody. Uh, can Roe versus Wade is the result of that attitude. We're just hurting ourselves. No, you're not. You're hurting everybody else. Responsibility. That's what Gideon, they're talking about. Remember Gideon? Uh, Gideon began with, I believe it was 32,000 men. 32,000. Uh, then God told him to use this principle here. This very principle. Is anybody faint-hearted and a cha-cha, let him go home to mama. That's when he told Gideon, told Gideon, he said, Gideon, tell the rest of these guys. Uh, if, they're, if they want to go back, let them go. Pro-choice. Free choice. He was only left with 10,000 men. 22,000 left and went home. Then he had another test from the lap of the drink of the water. He was only left now with 300. Uh, but he didn't have any less men. Now he had 300 men. I hope you understand what I'm trying to say here. Uh, these guys were real men. See, and, and that's what I want to get at here today. We're into quality versus quantity. God's more into quality. Because out of quality, he can get quantity. Uh, God didn't care. Hey, I'm not afraid. They were, they were coming. The odds were stacked against Gideon, but they still came out victorious. Because if God be for us, who can be against us? You have to have that kind of a attitude. And that attitude is infectious too. And I'm going to be getting to that in just a little bit. A bad attitude can infect and affect people, but so can a good attitude. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, and I think you know what kind of a pastor you're looking at right now. Uh, I, know, I know who I am. I was back in the 60s, but I don't have an identity crisis. I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep me, you know, unto that. I know. And I've always had that attitude of with you or without you. 
I'd rather have you with you because I love you and I care for you. But if, if you don't understand where we're going, if you don't bite into what we're doing, it's going to happen anyways. I've said it before. You can, well, I don't know about this thing. And then God will bring you back maybe 10 years later and we'll be 10,000 people strong. We'll own the whole block. Oh, and you go, man. Ah, I should have stayed. Because that's the kind of attitude that I have. It's an attitude. But we're looking for quality here at this moment. This time as well. Ah, quality. Just one person. We need to understand the power of just one man, of just one person. Whether, my friend, it be you or I or somebody else. The power of one person can affect and infect so many lives. This all started with one man, Pastor Sonny. The young man that said he'd overdose 48 hours after he left the home before here, Brother Ray. I, God used me, in his, and I mentioned this to him yesterday, in his family. I was just starting to do uh, uh, prison ministry work and jail work, and I was able to lead his, I don't know what Al was to you, your cousin? It was your brother, to the Lord. And now, you ever been to the La Puente Mother Church? I want to snitch on his family. Uh, you ever seen the choir thing? Huh? You ever seen that guy that just sings to me? Uh, that's your primo. That's your, because I remember him too when he came. Uh, but it all started with one person. Pastor Sonny reached me. We reached him. And now the whole family. Uh, don't minimize or underestimate the power of one person. Or quality versus quantity. Quantity will come later on. Uh, the quantity... Uh, of your life can determine the destiny of our church. Uh, the, qual the quality of your life can affect the destiny of our church uh, and your family as well. See, according to Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 8, your faith or your fear can affect the whole lump, the whole church. And the bottom line to my sermon is going to be that you and I We'll have to live up to our responsibilities, okay, of that fact. That one life means so much. And you need to live up and hone up to your responsibilities. That's what Deuteronomy 28 is trying to tell us. That's the reason why I believe, okay, that, uh, you know, we need to, to bite into this. And we need to understand that. Don't lose the importance and the emphasis of quality of one life. So very vital, I believe. See, in Deuteronomy 20, verse 8, the scripture that we read, God was trying to tell his people to not be necessarily concerned with quantities of numbers as opposed to quality. God was saying that we as his people, as his church, okay, we really should not get all fearful and faint-hearted over the numbers, okay, that may oppose us. Don't get all upset about the numbers that may oppose us. <clears throat> uh, so what? Uh, he's looking at the ticker, the heart. God can do miracles. Uh, you and God are majority. And can you belong to a ministry like that? Pastor Sonny began this ministry with nobody, just him and his wife. When my wife and I came up here, we were by ourselves. But we were infected with the vision of Victory Outreach. Uh, no, no, just Pastor Ed was up here in San Jose. Pastor Gilbert and Diane were over in Redwood City. There wasn't a lot of Victory Outreaches. But we came here knowing we were doing it. Uh, we were sent here. We had a job to do. We had a people back in Los Angeles praying for us. Uh, as many times we, we wanted to throw in the towel, even steal sometimes. 
Ah, it gets, it ain't done, it doesn't get any easier sometimes. The higher you go, the more the winds blow. But I remember my, my wife and I went through some doozies, man. I was like, oh man, oh, we want to. I remember I wanted to go back one time and I was like, oh man, and Dominic and Linda were there and we were, we were arguing, they came on. You know, okay. Because the enemy will, will try and stop that. He'll try and nip it at the bud in the beginning. Uh, but in here, we knew God called us. And we knew God called us to do a work. And you have to have that kind of an attitude because it can become infectious as well. Oh, if God be for us, who can be against us? Now, Let's get dealing with numbers. See, numbers are not always a good measure of the situation. Whenever you read most of the stuff that Paul, the apostle, wrote, the letters that he wrote, you'll see, my friend, here that Paul had, you know, uh, he had a pretty good handle upon this principle regarding numbers. Okay? Now, that's the reason why he would say he would come against a lot of division and strife and murmuring. That's what I've been talking about here. He had, a good, he had a good handle on this. You read the, 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 uh, the epistles that Paul wrote. He, always, he says, beware of dogs. Uh, you ever read that? Uh, where? At the Ace Hardware Store, huh? But th- that sign came out of the Bible, beware of dogs. Because Paul was always watching out for the flock of God. Be careful for the flock. Uh, matter of fact, look at Acts chapter 20, verse 30. Acts 20, verse 30. Okay. Paul was always very, very much aware of this. Acts 20, 30. We're going to be looking at quite a bit of scripture here today. Do you have it? Let's begin in verse 29. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you. And will not spare the flock. Paul was concerned with the sheep, with the flock. Even from within your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after themselves. See, Paul's talking, the enemy is not necessarily from without. He wasn't afraid of the numbers without. He was sometimes afraid of what happens within. Uh, that's why rebellion sometimes happens within the camp. Uh, you got to be very careful, precautious, because out of your own selves, within, the enemy's not without, it's within sometimes. That's what Paul is talking about here. See, Paul knew that if fear and, you know, if faint-heartedness and doubt and, and envy and jealousies, if they would enter into the church from within, uh, that could destroy a church faster than an army from without. Are you with me? He, right, read the epistles. All, apostle was warning. Because something infectious from within, a little leaven can mess up the whole lump. Paul says, guard it, not just from without. Forget about those armies out there, but inside. Grievous wolves. See, Paul also knew that the strength of a church was not the numbers, but in its unity. In its ability to minister and to care about even the smallest member or the newest convert. That's what he's talking about. Responsibility. Remember, that's the theme. Be responsible. Take care of even the weakest link. The weakest link. Uh, see, in the world, they'll get rid of you. The weakest link. Over here, we'll say, the weakest link. Come on over here. Come on over here. You stay here. When I came into the church, I was the weakest link. Sometimes I think I still am. Uh, I mean, I know the kind of weak person I was. I've said it before. I would do almost anything Heron told me to do. I'm very weak. 
Uh, but God will take the weakest link because we care about him. Uh, even the, the newest convert. Uh, each member is important. That's what Paul's trying to say. Whether for growth and for edifying of the body or also for the negative, okay, one person with fear can cause a lot of trouble. If you're all fearful and you don't have faith, okay, it can cause a lot of trouble within the body. Remember Ananias and Sapphira? The story found in the book of Acts? That story is exactly what Deuteronomy 28, the principle of that scripture, Deuteronomy 28, is talking about. Once this couple, Ananias and Sapphira, once they sold their belongings, then they tried to lie and bring deceit into the community of God. God would not allow this. Why? Because he knew just a little bit of leaven was going to leaven the whole up. He had to nip it at the bat. He didn't want lying and deceit to enter into the body. He wanted to make an incision right away. Uh, because faint-heartedness, fearfulness, lying, deceit, all that, once it enters in there, wow. Uh, it, can, it can destroy a church faster than anything else. Okay? And, and we need to be careful for that. It can ruin the whole lot. Dealing with deceit and fear. Now, okay, on a more personal note, okay, even let me just mention here before I go on to the next point, that a little bit of sin in your life can mess you up. Ah, uh, Pornography. Nip that thing at the butt. Oh, that's, you know, give, just a little bit of sin right in here. Uh, it won't hurt me to think about it for 10 seconds. 11. 12. Lucky 13. Uh, no, no, no. Nip that thing at the butt. Because uh, you let that thing make a bed there. Who would make a bed there? Literally make a bed there. Uh, wow. Nip it at the butt. Uh, that's why this blood's for you. Hallelujah. Covered in the blood. Quick. Then also, my next point, in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 8, it's talking about morale. Okay, morale. That's one of the three M's that we need to raise. Men, money, and morale. See, this issue of morale also has something to do with unity. The book of Ephesians, Paul tells us in the book of Ephesians, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Morale. Paul is saying... Dealing with unity and morale and responsibility. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. That scripture means, you know, pull out all the stops. It means in the Greek, pull out all the stops in order to stay in unity. Do all you can to live in harmony. Do all you can. Don't let nothing come in here. Because if you let some disunity come in here, if you let some lines and deceits and all that get in here, it can, it can affect the body worse than an army. Endeavoring. Do all you can. Pull out all the stuff to stay together. Now, if we're going to knock down these walls, we've got to do it together. And we, we all have to be in one accord. Yes, it, listen, it, we, if you weren't here yesterday, we brought out a chart. It's going to take hundreds of thousands of dollars. But don't get all bent out of shape. Really. I believe it's God. Because if it wasn't, he would have given us a big sanctuary when we moved in here. Uh, and he didn't. I didn't want to buy this building about seven years ago because it was too small. I had to wait and wait and then, it, then we had to pay a higher price. I wish I would have bought it seven years ago when I had the opportunity. I think we we're going to sell it for 180 some thousand. God, I should have got it then. And we bought it for a bigger price than that. But now we still got to do, do the walls. But don't get all bent out of shape. Just stay on the boat. Hallelujah. Now, what have I said before? The, you know, when you're in church, 
Church is supposed to, is, is an, an analogy or a parallel of the church is the ark. Okay, scholars will tell you, the ark that Noah was in, it, it signifies the church. Can you imagine being in the, in the ark with a whole bunch of animals? That do, 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 do. It wasn't always that roses. They brought in animals, not, not vegetation. Okay. Sometimes it stink, it stunk in the ark. But that was no reason to jump out. Oh, it stinks in here. If you're going to jump out of the ark, you're going to drown. You're going to drown. Come on. You're gonna, it's going to stink sometimes. And not just in the men's home. There stinks a lot, probably. Hallelujah. Ah. Oh. But there's no reason to leave the ark, guys. You don't want to get out there and drown. Ah. Oh. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Do all you can to stay together. Ah. Oh. That's why it's important we come and, and stay in one accord with what God is doing in, in our church, in our midst. Uh, we got to take this thing on together. There's power in amen. amen. Praise God. Uh, see, morale has to do with putting the goals and the beliefs and the benefits of the group and the team ahead of your own. That's what morale has to do. Endeavoring to keep the unity. In other words, what Paul is saying there, put yourself aside and think of the team. Uh, Whatever it takes, just go for it with the team. Submit, flow, go with it. And we have a lot of people here that, that God brings to victory outreach. Most of you were like leader kind of guys or always wanted to be first. How many of you used to be on drugs? Let me see your hands. Let me, come, on, come on, Then you always wanted to be first. These are the kind of people we're dealing with. And if you weren't on drugs, if you would have been a drug addict, you would have been like that. Because that's the kind of people that usually come here sometimes. You know, you know First! Hey, but I scored. I don't care. It's my car. I knew the guy. Uh, we have to do whatever it takes to flow. Uh, unity, morale. Keep the morale up. Not down. Uh, we got to keep the cause ahead of our own personal needs and desires. Uh, you know, that's why I've always said it doesn't matter who does the job as long as the job what? Gets done. See, genuine morale is present when we see individuals trying their hardest to do their best for the benefit of the team. When each individual feels responsible, there's a word responsible again, in achieving their highest potential, but not for their sake, but for the team's sake. I want to study. I want to learn. I want to be a rabbi like Lenny. Not because I want to, you know, have hair like Lenny's. Uh, but because I want to benefit the team. I want to help the team. Uh, that's why I want to be the best pitcher possible because I want to help the team. Not so I can win the Cy Young Award. Uh, we're in this to win this as a team. And we find that in the athletic world. The importance of morale is so important. When all the members are pulling together as a team, that's when they achieve the, the, the greatest reward. If you were here two weeks ago when Mandito spoke, he brought out a powerful illustration about the LA Lakers. And he was talking about how Shaquille, the Shaq attack, one of the greatest players probably of all time. And Kobe Bryant, one of, probably one of the greatest players of all time. But in the beginning of the year, you know, go all Lakers, they were losing. I think Golden State beat them in L.A. Uh, and they're the worst team, <laughs> you know, because they weren't playing together. For, and then Manito said for the first 
26 games, Derek Fisher was, was on the disabled list. But at the 27th game, he came back. And he says, if you look at the L.A. Lakers record, after the 27th game, they begin to win. Derek Fisher is only six feet tall. But he brought unity. Uh, he worked with Phil Jackson, who knows how to win. Phil Jackson says, listen, Kobe, Shaq, you guys are good. You guys know what to do. But do you know where Robert Horry can hit the three-point from? Where can he hit the three points better? On the side. On the left-hand side of the, of the basket. Well, guess what happened? I don't know what happened today. Uh, didn't tell me. They played. But last, you know, they were losing. The, 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 well, they were beating Philadelphia. But Philadelphia was coming back. But guess what? They knew how to get Robert Ory open at the corner. Pull everybody here. Wham, and that's where he contributes to the team. But Derek Fisher brought them all this. A six-foot guy. Uh, but he brought, the morale gate came back up. The unity came back up. And, and now, they bad. Uh, they bad. Hallelujah. Uh, same thing can happen with us. Where's, where's, where's our power spot? Uh, where can Stephanie hit the best three-pointer from? Right here. Ladyness. Uh, but she can also hit from a few other places, too. Uh, uh, where's my wife good from? Right here. Be teaching. Boom. Uh, we got to get her open for, so she can teach. Hallelujah. Three-pointer. Uh, where's Leonard the best at? I'm a home director till the rapture. Uh, that's his most effective. If he gets out of it, he tries to be a pastor, you know, hallelujah. But, but when Chucky has his church, he's going to invite him to come anyways, right, Chucky? <laughs> pastor Chuck, hallelujah. Uh. But we got to find out. We got to play together over here. Devil don't like that. He doesn't like it at all. Um, that's the reason, my friend, that we can see the power of God moving in just one man, one person. When I was putting the sermon together, I was thinking about the RAF, uh, the, the, the British forces during World War II. They said something about them. They said that was Britain's finest hour during, during World War II. It was the British, finest, British people's finest hour. But this, they've written about them. And I want to quote it. And many of you have heard this quote before. Okay. It says, never have so few done so much for so many with so little. Quality. Never have, let me read it again. So few done so much for so many with so little. And again, I've quoted that script, that, that script, not a scripture. All right, that's Winston Churchill's quote. But about our church too, we're going to South Africa. Uh, do we have a church of thousands? Not yet. Uh, can you imagine what we do? The devil can't. Uh, he, he don't like that. Uh, but we're going to South Africa because it's quality is the key. Quality. Very important. Very, uh, see, unity. Working hard. Okay? But don't let bad stuff come in because it can also infect our ranks as well. Faith can affect us, but also fear can affect us. Okay? Like I said, even with the vision of our ministry. All right, hey, we came here, we had it, it infected us, and we want to spread it with everybody else. Then lastly, just as fear can stifle a people once it infects a certain group or a certain church, so can faith affect a group, the people, for the better. We've covered the negative, but now we're going to cover the positive. Okay, fearful, but faithful. 
Uh, the faithful can affect a group big time as well. I mean, how many of you love to go to the conferences and hear the first end of the conference? Because you know you're going to hear from the man. Now, these guys get to hear them quite a bit. But everybody comes from all over the world. They come and they, they're just ready for the first night. Uh, come on, Pastor Sonny, give it to us. Uh, whatever he preaches on, whatever theme, this year he preached on a heavy duty, a hardcore theme, prayer. But boy, did he get it across. You know, I looked at Pastor Sonny because I was sitting in the front. I said, Pastor Sonny, that sermon last night in the morning when I went with, so that morning, that was, a, that was a pivotal sermon in our ministry. And boy, have we been involved in prayer. Because uh, God used it for prayer. I mean, it's prayer. I had a meeting here today with all kinds of ministers from the, from the area here today. And we were all in one accord. It has to be prayer. It has to be prayer. All of them, when are you going to go to South Africa? We're going to be praying for you. Uh, we're going to pray. We're going to pray for you. Our whole church is going to pray for you. Prayer. Uh, because you hear from Pastor Sonny. Uh, and he'll, he'll get it together. I mean, he, you know, he said, well, I'm Mr. Vision. He is. And he'll infect us. Full of faith. See, we need individuals who can arise within our ranks that are going to influence us for the good and spur us on. These kind of individuals are always key. Key people. You ever seen those kind of people? You know, what's going on? Jesus. You know? It's, it's going to be all right. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. It's going to happen. We need those kind of people. Just like the murmurs and gripers and complainers can mess things up, these people can really get you going. Uh, they can get you going like, uh, you know, what's next? You, know, you see Keith over here? He's, uh, you ever seen him preach? He's, uh, you know, he's full of confidence because he knows he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. Uh, and men, there's plenty more preachers where he came from. We need some women preachers over here too. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Come on, ladies. Don't think just because, you know. No, no. We, I, we want some lady preachers too. We haven't had any in a while. Come on. All right, here we go. We're getting close to closing. The ladies say, no, 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 no. Give me the mic then. I'll preach. Uh, see, but these are the kind of people that create a powerful atmosphere and a powerful spirit uh, within, within our church. Uh, that, that, that get us going, that spur us on. Even after they're gone, they've infected our ministry for the better. I was talking to Leonard here today. Funny that I had put it in my notes, but he was telling me, he says, I was listening to a tape the other day about Cal. And he was, I think you and Pastor Ed were with him and you guys were in a neighborhood called Dakota. Uh, and we worked. He was talking about how Cal seen these drug addicts. He said, go give him a flyer. And, and you said you already did and they didn't want it and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, but Cal says, I'll run out. Cal ran after them to chase them himself. Uh, see, Brother Cal had it going on. He, you know, he's, he's gone on to be with the Lord, but his influence still affects our ministry today. Uh, you're still hearing his tapes, a lot of the stuff that he did. Uh, because he was not faint-hearted, he was faithful. He had a lot, of, and it's still affecting. You hear Pastor Rick preach. If you never heard Cal, it doesn't matter, just hear Rick. Because his style, Rick's a lot like his dad. Pastor Rick uh, Alanis, who's going to, by the way, he's going to open up our vision conference next month. Okay, he's going to be the first one on Thursday night. And it's like hearing Cal. He's like, you know, that's the way Cal was for the good. So as Deuteronomy 28 states, we're not to underestimate the power of one man, one individual. He or she can infect an entire group for the good by faith or for the bad by fear. Thus, 
let us not fail to place a heavy significance, especially a heavy responsibility, okay, on everybody's actions or inactions, if you will, as well, okay? That's the reason why the Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It doesn't mean, whenever I re you read that scripture, and I know that I've been guilty of it sometimes too, well, it's my, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. No, what it's saying is, what Romans is saying, no man lives and dies unto himself. Work out your own salvation. Get, get it going on, because if you don't, you're going to infect and affect somebody else. It's not a scripture to, to be by yourself, work out your own salvation. He's saying, work it out, because if you don't, you can affect somebody else. How many times my wife and I, many, many times, we've seen people come, God brings them, saves them, touches them, then all of a sudden they, 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 they give in. You know, after they've gone through a few trials, but afterwards, ah, they can't take it no more. I'm going to go back to the world. And later on, we'll run into some of their family members on the street and say, you know what, I was thinking about going to your church. I was thinking about getting saved. But then my family member that was going there gave it up. So now, I'm, what's the use? Uh, you never, you affect a lot of people. Uh, your choices, your decisions affect a lot of people. Uh, that's what it's saying, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because somebody else's salvation might be right in the balance as well. Not just your own. Not just your own. Uh, your responsibilities. Being responsible. Uh, where we can hold our head up high. See, now, we need to grow up and be responsible and learn to own up to our own actions and, as I said earlier, our own inactions as well. Okay? This is the reason why the vision of our ministry can be so powerful as well. Because it allows and it affords for all our people to feel significant and responsible towards one another. Uh, the vision that we have, that God has given for our ministry, we can be responsible for it. We can, hey, we can take ownership of it. And thank God for this. That what we make here, it's up to us. We're either going to make it or break it. A lot of people are watching our ministry. They know what kind of people, by and large, that we deal with. Uh, once they see that the walls have been knocked down, once they say, wow. And they're going to South Africa to boot. Yeah, to boot the devil out of Cape Town. Hallelujah. Uh, to boot as many you know, people into Christianity as possible. Uh, people are aware that they understand that. So much, as I said before, is riding our, on our radials. And again, I hope they're not good here. Hallelujah. Responsibility uh, is so key. See, that we as Christians would learn to be responsible as individuals for our actions. And, 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 and you know, those actions and those inactions, they affect the whole body. Let me end by saying this. And I think I said it many, many years ago. And I'm, I want to rewrite it again here. I've rewritten it. But it, it's something else. It's quite a statement. It really affected my life. And I hope it will affect your life as well. Back in 1930, in Germany, Nazi Germany, one Christian writer by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he wrote this. He said, okay, when Adolf Hitler first came to power, the Christian community was not too thrilled. Are you with me? Say with me now. They weren't too thrilled. But they didn't say or do too much because they thought, ah, this is going to pass. It's just another political party. They let it go for nothing. It's going to pass. Okay? They didn't say nothing. Okay, but 
Then what he did, okay, then Hitler went on after this and he, he stated and he quoted that the Aryan race was more supreme than anybody else. The Aryan, the white race, they were, they were supreme. But the church, the Christian people, they didn't do anything. Then he took Poland. But the Christian people didn't say anything back then either because it didn't affect them. Then he took Hungary and Czechoslovakia. But the Christians didn't say anything again because it didn't affect them. Then he came against the Jews. Yet still, the Christians didn't say anything because it didn't affect them. Finally, he came after the Christians. But by then it was too late. Huh? Now nah, they were going to make a stand. It's too late. Too late. It's over. We got to be responsible. Huh? See, church, whenever and wherever a people lose their sense of significance and accountability and responsibility, and they become too selfish, okay, and too snug, that's the place where unity and effectiveness will begin to deteriorate real fast in their lives. This is like, in a sense, a social message. Because we have to be socially conscious as well. In a sense, I thank God for what my son's doing right now. He's making a stand. He's taking a stand. He's saying, hey, how about our youth over here? What's happening? Come on. Uh, we can't be letting our, our kids kill themselves in the streets. We have to have what I said before, the attitude of over my dead body. Uh, if you're going to kill yourself, hey, come on, uh, over my dead body. I, I want to do something here. And you belong to that, that kind of a church. Uh, we we want to make a difference here. We have the answer. But we have to have that attitude. Uh, and Because you can make a difference. Not just Pastor Steve or, or the leaders or the ministers. You too. Because you have to have that same contagious attitude. Uh, we can change the world, praise God. Uh, so as we grow and we begin to think big, because that's what we're going to be doing, I believe. Let's not become a gutless, heartless kind of a mob. But may we keep our sense of significance, okay, where everybody else is important. Everyone's important. And all of us should be responsible. Uh, what you do affects me, and what I do affects you as well. We do need, you know, mountain-moving kind of people, faith kind of people. We need them in our midst uh, who hear from God. We need what I would say a one-night stand. K-N-I-G-H-T. You have to have that night, that, that chivalrous kind of a thing. Because these are the kind of people that are going to make a difference in society. Or in the world is Hayward. Hayward's not insignificant. God sees it on the map. Uh, well, they're from Lala. They're from L.A. They're significant. Uh, we're all significant. Uh, and we have to have that kind of an attitude. Uh, chivalrous, no, no matter what. Yesterday, when we had the, the, the Tyler's dessert... I didn't really know exactly what was going to happen. I was busy doing other stuff. And then they showed me, my wife and Ed and some of the people that were going to be giving the, uh, the program, they were going to be bringing it out. And I knew all of a sudden, I said, oh, God, it's about raising some money. We've got to do it again. Uh, and they But then they said, well, are ready to start? I said, yeah, let's go start. It's okay. Uh, and I just went up and got to said, hey, let's go do this thing. Let's go do this. 
Uh, I, I'm with it. I, I believe it can get done. I'm not going to run. I was a runner most of my life. Didn't do me nothing. Ended up in jail and prison. The most significant moments in my life have been when I have made a stand. Uh, when I said, uh-uh, this is, this, is, this is it right here. Uh, many of you, some of you know my testimony. I was one of the first drug addicts from my area to, to get saved. I think Leonard's 20 years. I, I just talked to some of Leonard's friends. Uh, when I was down in, in, in Orange County the other day, my wife and I were giving a seminar. A lot of them were telling me, they grew up with him and says, man, he says, that was a, one of our first homeboys that got saved. He says, we used to criticize him and we used to get on his case. And I said, I know, I know what it's like because that was like the first of my neighborhood. Uh, people would be in the county jail talking about, you hear what Steve's having, what if Steve is in? You know, the guy done, you know, man, what a, what a dude, man. He's, he, you know, but the bottom line was, is he fixing? No, he's not fixing. And they were all trying to, you know, use their, their concepts and all this stuff. Why, you know, well, uh, I guess one guy one time he told me, you were never really a hardcore. I said, this guy's from another planet. Uh, because they were trying to figure out what had happened here. Now, I was delivered and I was set for yes, but that's no guarantee I'm still going to live for God. You still got to make a stand. Uh, and again, but some of the major things that have happened in my life is because I decided to make a stand. So many of my friends now, uh, I've gotten saved and touched. So many of your friends want to get saved. God's dealing with them. God's, we're in evangelistic mode right now. We just got out of financial mode. We're getting into the evangelistic mode right now. It's time to win souls. It's time to shake the tree. But people are talking about you. You want people to talk about you? You want to get people's attention? Get saved. What happened to so-and-so? Is she still going to Victory Outreach? They're always asking about you. Your friends and even your enemies. Everybody's asking. Uh, why? Because God's dealing with them. God wants to save more than you do. But you need to make a one-night stand. What did we talk about at the conference? The original Cholo. Who was that? Martin Luther. Uh, they told him, Martin, get rid of these 98 theses. Uh, renounce them and we'll, we'll reinstate you as a priest in the Catholic Church. Uh, he's the original Cholo, I think, because he told the Catholic Church, you're talking to me? Well, I'm talking to you with these 98 theses. And you better read them because they're biblical. It's all biblical stuff here. Uh, and so he said, and those of you that don't understand Spanish, bear with me here. But he said... And I hope you don't like it. That's what he said. Here I stand. It's one of the most famous Christian quotes of all time. Here I stand, I can do no more. But listen to me, Pope. Read my hips. Uh, I ain't going nowhere, buddy. Thank God for a man like that. That's why we're here today. And the rest of the world, especially the inner cities of the planet, still need people like him. Yes, I'm talking about you and I. One night stands. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, I thank you for your challenge. Let us be chivalrous people. So much is right in our testimony. So much is right in our decisions. 
So much is riding on us to be responsible. And went under the gun not to run. Through every argument, through every temptation, not to run. Through every disappointment and discouragement, not to run. To make a stand. Paul says, having done all, they're with the stand. Taking all into consideration, when all is said and done, I'm going to stand. 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 I want to ask everybody right now to stand with me. Everybody stand with me. Everybody stand, please. Everybody standing. I'm going to stand. If you're kneeling down, you can still stay kneeling down. You don't got to stand up. But the rest of you that are sitting, I'm going to ask you to stand. Lord, we have a heavy project ahead of us. When it's done, we're going to celebrate like crazy. But we're going to need people to make a stand. People with heart. Who among you is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go home. We don't need that among our ranks. We need people of faith. Of faith. I want to pray for those of you here this evening. God has challenged you through his word and through this message. You say, I want to be a significant individual. I want to be somebody that makes a difference, whether in one life or a hundred thousand, whatever it would be. Whatever God has called me to, I don't want to run. I don't want to be labeled as a runner. I make mistakes when I do. I end up falling flat on my face. But I want to stand. If that's you here tonight and you want me to pray for you, I'm going to ask those of you that are standing already to slip out of your stance and come and stand here at this altar. 